Hello and welcome back to the She Invest podcast with your hosts. I am Allie Fugit. And I'm your host, Carrie Douglas. And we are She Invest live from Massachusetts. This is a monumental episode because we have never been in the same region of the country, much less the same room for an episode. So it's super exciting. Yes. And we have an amazing guest live. So I can't wait to share Brittany's bio. Um, Brittany Udemark has used multiple real estate investing strategies to launch her financial freedom journey from beginning as a personal trainer with a capped income to then a real estate agent with a unlimited income potential to then buying six properties in six months. Brittany is the queen of real estate investing strategies, and now she owns a boutique hotel and is currently underwriting an offer on another one. Listen to the words of wisdom of the young and on fire queen of real estate investing strategies. We're yeah. so excited Welcome to have you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just send that to you so you can use it for your next Yeah, right, right. There we go. Definitely. Um, so start by telling us how you got into real estate investing. Yeah. So um, back in college, well, let me rewind a little bit. So my dad was a contractor. So I grew up in construction. I was roofing houses when I was 14. Um, so just immersed in the world of construction at a young age. And then fast forward to college, I was like, you know, real estate would be cool. That'd be like a nice route to go into. And so I um, ordered Jay Scott's book on flipping houses back in college. And I owned it for, I think, probably like five or six years before actually like reading it, like fully cover to cover reading it. So then after college, um, it was kind of a financial thing. Like I never had the money to like get into buying a property or anything like that. Um, So you know, like most of us, we just keep making excuses and putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. Um, and then I finally got to the point where I was like, I'm going to stop putting it off and I'm going to do it. So I ordered as many books as I could. I just kept reading about every different strategy you could possibly do with real estate. Um, and now I'm here. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so you tell us about your first deal. Okay. So my first deal was kind of a mix and a merge of multiple different strategies. So I got connected with a wholesaler in the state of Michigan, um, who I was able to bring in a value that he, um, he felt comfortable mentoring me. Um, I knew I wanted to start flipping. So he had a property that I really liked off market. Um, I went toward it, thought it would make a really good flip and, um, then in the process, I ended up deciding that I liked it enough that I wanted to live in it. So I bought it off market as a wholesale. I used hard money um, to purchase that property, did a refi after I renovated it. And then I ended up just moving into it as my primary. Nice. Um, that was my first deal. I sold it a year later and ended up flipping it basically at that point and yeah. made, uh, made a good chunk of money. So it's like three four strategies in like one yeah one yeah yeah so not easy just <laughs> throw them all into a bucket and, pick and, and so choose. and so your mentor i guess went through did they explain the different strategies to you did they offer up any advice when you started that process or how did that work yeah so he my mentor is actually the one that helped that funded it for okay. me so he did because i had been working with him for for about six months at that time already he felt comfortable, so he gave me 100% of the financing plus the renovation costs. Um, but he shadowed me the whole way. So kind of every step of the way, he would come and look at the property and make sure I was on the right track. And um, 
we went through and talked to construction costs from the beginning to make sure that I wasn't going to go over budget or to make sure that my projections were correct. Um, and then he kind of walked me through the process of, well, if you're not going to sell this right now and truly flip it, then um, here's what we need to do as far as like a refinance goes. So yeah, he kind of just like, so you kind of walk you through like ex exit strategies and everything, yep. right? Which yep, is exactly. nice. Like a lot of us don't have that. So yep. like we just kind of have to fall on our face before we, yeah, right. <laughs> as we learn. So yeah. that was nice. Okay. Yeah. Good. So you obviously have tried a lot of different strategies, especially now after that was your first deal, right? So then you went, you, you went on this buying spree and bought six <laughs> properties in six months, but more recently you've landed on a current niche of looking at boutique hotels. Tell us why, why that? Yeah. So that, so from my first deal to where I'm at with buying the hotel a couple months ago, I have used multiple different strategies. So that first one I, I bird, I, you know, I flipped it. I, I did the refi on it. Then I sold it and made the profit off of it. Um, I flipped multiple houses between then and now, um, I bought long-term rentals, those are fine. They're good. But to me, they were just kind of boring. They were just there. Like they're great. They're good, steady income, but they're not fun. And fast I was say, well, and after, you, after you renovate it, it's exciting. Yeah. And then you're like, well, damn, I well, can't get back what? in the house. Yeah. yeah. Now what? Now yeah. Like, okay, yeah. my tenants there, they're good. Yeah. So then it's like, what, it, like, you know, what's next? Yeah. Um, and no then, point. yeah. And then I kind of like similar to you, Allie, like I, realized the $400 and $500 a month I was making on these was not going to get me anywhere as quickly as I wanted to. So I found two short-term properties, um, which was actually kind of a cool story. Um, it was listed as a one bedroom, one bath. And then as I dug into it and looked at the photos and everything, I realized that it was two completely separate cabins on two different lots, but it was a low enough purchase price that the lender had to combine them into one mortgage. So I kind of got a two for one deal on that, yeah, which was nice. cool. Yeah. So that's how I stumbled into short-term renting because it's in a vacation market in Michigan. So once I uh, kind of, I didn't have a mentor for that. So once I got those going and kind of tripped and fell on my face through the process, I found a group of like a network that helps me make those successful. Um, and then that's right when all the regulations changed and everything started, you know, cracking down and um, getting stricter. And I don't want that to be, I don't want the regulations to be the reason why I can't invest in, and grow my wealth and, and help my, my family. So I found boutique hotels are a great strategy. Um, I had a friend come to me that found one and um, great area, good spot in Michigan for vacationing. And we got that. And then I, it, it just all, it clicked going from a single family home that has kind of the capped income mm -hmm. potential of the other comparable single family homes around it to finding a commercial property that I can create the value in was like, it, it was an epiphany to me. So now I have that hotel and I'm just full speed ahead on hotels as well as multiple in like one place that you're not having to like travel right. to, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It just makes everything more efficient. Absolutely. Yep. So for you, the hotel, and Allie and I have talked about this, where sometimes hotel regulation can be red tape. And so Allie prefers not to be under hotel zoning and prefers to keep short-term rental law. 
Whereas for me, like, because short-term regulations are restrictive, I prefer the hotel zoning, the hotel licensing. And it sounds like that for you is like what you were looking for as well. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just to go full into hotels, like even if it is a little bit more work up front with the licensing and stuff to have that protection and know that you're never going to be subjective to or subjected to the short-term rental regulations that some city official decides to put into place was Mm -hmm. is huge Mm -hmm. for me Mm -hmm. yeah and so so let's just like speak to that just a little bit so like what in michigan where you're at are there already certain regulations where your hotel is that like prevent you like for instance carries like if she was to go short-term rental she can only rent six months out right yeah so like what are the stipulations around in your area yeah so the, where my hotel is um there are regulations um within the city uh so within this little um water water town um but the motel sits right on the outskirts of that uh of that township and so no matter which way I were to if right now no matter which way i go with that hotel i could go short-term rental or i could go motel and i would be fine either way but who knows what's going to happen in three yeah. five you know ten years from now they mm-hmm. might completely come down and slide that that so seal out your protection <clears throat> correct yeah yeah, yeah. I understand. Yep. Yep. awesome yeah so what are your next steps and future goals yeah um so kind of in my bio um as it said i am looking at more boutique hotels and i'm focusing solely on the michigan uh vacation market because as avery carl says the regional drivable drivable vacation markets are kind of key so um michiganders love up north michigan uh it's a it's just a hidden paradise in the u.s so um i'm focusing solely on boutique hotel um, kind of exhausted um, owners that aren't operating correctly. So solely value add in vacation spots in, vacation spots in Michigan. And the biggest thing I learned from that first hotel is that it needs to be big enough that I'm not, as Mike always says, buying another job because my current hotel is small enough that I could make the excuse that I don't need support and I can operate it myself. So making sure that I'm going big enough that I, I can't do it myself. I need to create that team, but also doing it in a calculated way that I'm not just recklessly buying properties across Michigan. Yeah. And so uh, how many units is the one you have now? The one that I currently own is 10 units. Okay. And so like our rule for like, our, I say our rule, but the suggested, like what we kind of look at is we're going for like 10 or more mm-hmm. in a specific area. Uh, for that reason. So that's a great point that you brought up because a lot of people probably think the same thing because like, it's uh, very similarly uh, as if you were doing 10 single family homes that we know that we have a property management system that yeah. we could do by ourselves. That's a really good point. So uh, what do you think your new threshold is that you would be looking for? Do you have like that number in mind? Yeah. I mean, not really a number. I think it's more, um, I think it's more for me, the setup of the, okay. of the property. So the new one that I'm looking at is 13 individual cabins with a 10 unit, almost like apartment style um, on the property. And it's going to take a boots on the ground team to um, like, I need a, I need clean, a cleaning team. I need a maintenance person. It's just a bigger scale. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it really depends on the layout because yeah. the current property that I have is it's 10 units side by side, like it's like a 3000 square foot ranch is basically how yeah. I like, it's, it's like, like a little motel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so 
bigger than that, but not too big that I'm like drowning. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But so. I think that's an interesting answer. Like it depends on the layout because yeah. like some people wouldn't think of it that way, right? They're just looking at number of units. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. Um, so if we change our topic a little bit to talk about wealth building in general, um, we always ask people, how often do you look at and track your personal financial statement? Um, what metrics are you tracking there? And how do you know if you're being successful? That's a great question. Um, and honesty is okay. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I'm going to be really honest right now. I don't track my financial statement until my lender says I need an updated financial statement. <laughs> he said similar. Yeah. Yes. Um, which I'm going through right now because he's like, I can't give you a loan without your updated financial statement. So um, don't take that advice, I guess it would be my biggest thing is, you know, you need to set up some sort of like um, regularly check on that. Or be um, buying enough properties that, that your lender is up to date. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I don't currently track, tra track it. However, I do know what my wealth and my financial goals are for me and my family. So Nick and I have sat down and had a conversation about, you know, what, what does our future look like? What does, what do we want our day-to-day -day look like? How many kids do we want? Where do we want to live in the country? And then we take that and we put a number onto it. So then we calculate out like, what is our perfect life and how much is it going to cost us to live that perfect life? Sure. Um, so once we figured that out, I know that I need to have a certain net worth in order for us to both um, quote unquote, leave our jobs and um, be full-time into real estate investing and just operating our properties. Um, so really it's a net worth number that we're looking at tracking. Mm -hmm. There's baby steps along the way. Obviously, Nick can't leave his job until we have enough cash flow every month and things like that. So it's multiple different um, pieces that we're tracking. We just need to get into a more regular habit of doing sure. it. Yeah. But at least yeah. you've had the conversation with him and you two are on the same page. And I think so often um, people set goals and they're like, oh, I want to do this someday. I want to do this someday. And if you don't really think about like, um, okay, how much is that lifestyle going to cost me? Um, especially if we continue to see inflation by the time we get there, right? So I think it's so important and so great that you're doing that. Yeah. And I think too, like what you just said, if you just keep saying someday, it's never going to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. You have to take that number or that goal or that lifestyle that you want and put, put the time frame on it and put the strategy that you're going to use to get there. So yes, I've done all these different investing strategies, but in the end, we've found the one that we know is going to work for us. It's going to get, and it's going to get there as, as quickly as we want to get there. Um, so I think that's important that you're not just saying, I want to do this in my life, or I want this net worth or this much cash flow. What does that actually look like when you put pen to paper and map it out? Because otherwise you're just going through the motions. Absolutely. People, um, a lot of people that uh, are not as open and honest about this stuff as we are, and like don't have these conversations regularly, it, it's a scary topic for them. Right. Uh, I mean, we've spoken to people and, we're, and we ask them about their goals and, and what their future looks like. And there's never a number. They never want to put a number on it. Right. It's just like if I could do this, if I could do that, there's never a plan. There's never a number. And like all honesty, there's a number. Right. There's a number that, you know, that you could live comfortable. And then there's a number, you know, that you could essentially live very well mm -hmm. and, and financially free. 
Um, but I just don't think like a lot of people like you have had the conversation, have mapped that out, have tracked it and are putting the number on it. And uh, I mean, we had the discussion yesterday. We're all here at a mastermind event and was the day before yesterday where we're actually going over our goals and looking at it. And like so many times we like even now, like multiple of us have to be reminded, like, what is that number? OK, like you have this goal, but like what's the number that's going to get you there? What you know? And and so I, I love I love that you guys know what it yeah. is, even if you're not tracking it monthly, like you've ultimately had the conversation. And right. You know. And I think, too, it goes beyond just Nick and I knowing, you know, mm -hmm. like I if, if just Nick and I know, yes, we can hold each other accountable, but who's holding us accountable? Exactly. So being in a community that people like of people that are going to support you and that actually know what your legitimate goal is, like down to the dollar amount, like right. we, we've all talked about, like what my net worth goal is and all of that and what I need to make monthly to get Nick out of his career is so important because yeah like i said you're not you don't have anybody holding you accountable so yeah. if you're sitting there making excuses and not progressing one of you girls is going to pick up the phone and call me and be like get off your butt let's go yeah. you know well so. and also also like it's great because like when you're are analyzing deals and you're coming to us and we're looking at these deals together we can be like like Brittany is like is this going to get yeah. you to your goal like does that fit yeah like i know you're really excited about this deal but does it fit in in this category and so i, I do i think that, that that is the power yeah of this group. yeah i agree and i think it's so easy to like for a lot of people talking about with their spouse or um or in general about net worth or financial goals can be really stressful i mean it's it's definitely a stressful topic for marriages um historically and i think some of that is changing and i think some of those barriers are coming down and i feel like i'm in an environment more often where we can talk openly about finance and um support each other and there's less you know stigma or judgment to having those types of conversations but i feel like sometimes it's just easier to bury your head in the sand and hope that when you get to the end you have enough mm -hmm. and so being more purposeful is is so important so it's so great that you're doing that yeah yeah, yeah i agree um and i think like we we sort of alluded to this idea of community and so uh even though you know it might not be in our agenda of questions i want to i want to ask about like Tell, tell us your thoughts on the sense of community around what you're doing. Yeah. So I've always been a big proponent of you need to be the, uh, the dumbest person in the room um, by far. You always need to be reaching for that next level. Um, if you're in a room or if you're surrounded by people in your day-to-day -day life that are on your level or your, and don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with being above like level wise where people are and, and bringing them up to your level. Right. But at some point you need to look out for yourself and get brought to the next level too. So I think finding that community of people and, and not just a random community, right? Like us girls, like we can go out to the bar and have a drink and have a real life conversation. It's not just superficial, all about business. Right. So I think having the people that you can actually lean on and be vulnerable with and cry in front of. And um, I just think that's so important. Uh, otherwise, it's it's a really lonely sport, especially if yeah. you're a female, like it's super lonely in this world. Um, so yeah, just finding that community of people that's gonna pull you to that next level and keep striving for that too. So if you find that you're in the room and you're the one coaching everyone, find another room. Like you can stay in that room. Definitely right. help, help people. Of course. Yes. But look for that next room and keep going. Like, but I think that there, that's a great like segue into like, 
you should always be in multiple rooms. Yes. You should always be in multiple rooms because that is the true power of masterminds is that you continually have people of different levels in every room that you're in because you need to keep pushing. You need to be pushing somebody because it should continually be a value add mm -hmm. no matter where you're at, at all the different levels. And you can still, I still learn a lot from people back home that I mentor. Um, you know, they'll come to me with questions or strategies or a scenario and you can learn from that. So I still think there's importance um, and value in that as well. But yeah, finding people that are at that next level and that are doing bigger things than you um, is definitely where you're gonna see a lot of success. I forget the phrase, but there's some kind of little phrase around like when you enter a new community, finding someone you can mentor, finding someone to walk alongside you and someone that's ahead of you that can mentor you. Yeah. And so like having all three of those is so yeah. important. Yeah, I agree. Awesome. And I think we've just spent so much time over the last couple of days being in the same rooms with, with some of these other women who are doing such amazing things that like, I'm really just so grateful for, for these communities as well. Um, and we, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about it, but it's just, it's so important for me, um, to have that because entrepreneurship is, is sometimes lonely for, for two reasons. We were having this conversation last night with someone. It's not only that, like, you're not going into the office where there's a water cooler and you can chit chat, but it's also that sometimes you're the only one in your world who's doing that exact thing. Right. And so having, you know, other people, even if they're across the country to bounce ideas off of. Yeah. 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 And um, I would love for us to like, have just a small conversation around kind of what we were talking about yesterday out by the water is like, how important is it like when you were coming into this? Uh, so just like a little background for our listeners. So we are all in the same mastermind group for general short term rentals. Um, but then we are now all part of a higher group um, within the same mastermind for people that are going after larger commercial properties, boutique hotels. Um, so when making those decisions, like to jump from one level to the next, right. Um, through your journey, how important was it for you to be in a room with like other women was, what did that play a piece mm -hmm. to it? Um, and if it didn't, that's okay. But did it play a piece to it? Um, and how much weight did that have on your decision to like what room, the next room you need to be in? Yeah, absolutely. Um, gosh, that's a tough question. I, I've never been one to get along with females very well. I grew up with a brother and I was always surrounded by him and his friends. So it's really hard to make a connection with a female. Um, so it was very important to me because just your natural tendency, like you, I can have a conversation with you, Allie, that I can't go and talk to one of the other guys in the mastermind with and be as vulnerable with you as I would with somebody else. Um, excuse me. So I think that that's super important and it, it was very important for me. I, after the initial call of like, Hey, you should join this group of people. They're doing the things that you want to be doing. And you kind of already are doing. I hung up the phone and I called Carrie <laughs> and I was like, Carrie, what do I do? Um, like, is it worth it? Do I, should I be in this group? Because it's important to me to have people that I can, that I can lean on. Yeah. But also just females that I can connect with. Like, yes, you two are at different levels than I am. Like I don't have kids. I don't have the family life that you guys do, but I can look up to you in that way. And I can learn from what you girls are already doing in that space. Um, so yeah, I think it was, it was very important for me to have females in the group of 
you know, our mastermind is very small. It's like 25 of us. So yeah. having almost half of them be females was less than a oh, game changer. Oh, less than half. Less than half. <laughs> less than half. Many, half. It's like six, of six us? or seven of us. Six or seven of 25. Okay, so a third of us. Yeah. yeah. It's females. But like, that's, that's a huge. That's a big that's massive. Mm -hmm. It's massive. Yeah. yeah. Especially in this world that's, you know, primarily dominated by, by males. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You can just, it's, it's the connection that you make. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like here, you and I are on the very, like we're on very similar paths with For our investing sure. right For now. Sure. And so if I'm having an issue at my hotel, I can pick up the phone and call you and we can laugh and cry together <laughs> yeah. because you had a conversation <laughs> like that yesterday. Yes. So it's really, I, yeah, it was really important to me that I could um, have a network of females that I can just, that not just a network of people that I'm like talking to a network of friends that I like made lifelong friends with is, yeah. is big. Yeah. So important. Yeah. So totally different topic. Yeah. Um, what would you have done differently in investing in general, knowing what you know today? Like if you, if there was, a, is there anything you would change? go back? Oh gosh. And if not, that's okay. That's like, oh man. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't change any of it because I've learned so much from mm -hmm. it. I've, fallen on my face. I've cried. I, you know, like mm -hmm. I've, I've been through all of that and I've had to solve so many problems in my real estate investing. Um, so it's brought me to where I am today. So no, I wouldn't go back and change any of it. However, I, if I had the knowledge that I have today, even just a year ago, um, I, I probably wouldn't have as, as I like to say it squirreled so many times. Mm -hmm. Of like, I like this strategy and this strategy, and I like this area of the country. I would have just honed in and found that niche that I know um, I like. But again, like I said, doing all of those things brought me to know the niche that I like. Yeah. So yeah. it's okay if you don't have that that strategy that you know is going to be the end result. Like, find what you love, find what brings you fire. But you have all these tools in your toolbox. Yeah. Like yeah. moving forward, you have all these strategies you can use yeah. to, for exit strategies or new investing. Like, yeah. so you can literally take on anything that's going your way. Right. I think that's important too. Like when you when you get into a property or you're in a situation, like you need to have multiple exit strategies, and that's the reason why I have all of this different experience of like flipping, burring, wholesaling, rental. Like you know, because I'll get a property and the original plan that I had for that property just isn't feasible, especially with the way the market's changing right now so quickly. You have to be able to pivot and make sure that you're making the best financial um, decision for you and your family. So if that changes, that's okay, as long as it's gonna still progress you. So yeah. Does it align with your goals? Like we yeah. talked about earlier, does it align with your goals and is it gonna get you to the next step? Right. Yeah. And it's okay to pivot. That's right. Yeah, yep, mm -hmm. correct. So what is the most exciting thing that you've gotten to do on your investing journey? Like what, thing has investing brought to you that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise been able to do? I, oh gosh, that's really hard. I have been able to, real estate has brought me to a point that I can take time off and I can, Nick and I can go away for a couple weeks and not have to stress about money. I grew up in a very poor family and we always lived paycheck to paycheck and um we always knew where our next meal was coming from it was never like that my parents always had me in the sports that i wanted to be in and things like that but we just didn't have money we didn't talk about money and so going from a life of poverty and debt to now being able to say to nick like hey let's go to peru for two weeks and hike machu picchu like that is 
so impactful Mm -hmm. and it changes your mindset in so many different ways. So the biggest thing that real estate has brought me is the fact in, in the, um, the opportunity to be able to just pack up and go and travel and do these things, um, with people that are important to me. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, uh, we appreciate your time, Brittany. Yeah. And, uh, we've loved having, you know, you, on the show, but also spending time with you this week because I know, I know because it's like, again, like I said last night when we were out, it's just like, you get with these people and it's like, we've known each other our whole lives. Yes. And, and I mean, we're just also aligned and, and that's empowering in itself. Um, but yeah, so before we go away, tell, um, our listeners how they can find you on socials. Yeah. So I should have looked at my Instagram handle. I didn't even look it up before here. Um, Instagram is Brittany U underscore realtor. Um, and that's pretty much all I'm on. You can find me on Facebook, Brittany Udemark. Um, but really is I, I spend most of my time on Instagram. What about like, do you have any sites or anything for your properties that they can follow your journey on? Not yet. They're just on Airbnb <laughs> right now, but they are linked to my Instagram. So if you okay. want to look at my, uh, my properties and stuff, we just did some really cool video reels of our, our short-term rentals. Those are really cool. Um, but yeah, just Instagram. That's where you can find me. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Well, thanks Thank for having you me. So yes, much. Yeah. Thanks for being here. It was great. Yes. And it was so great to do this in person. It was. We'll, we'll do it again. again. We'll do it again in November. November. That's right. Perfect. Yes, that's perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, we will see you guys next week.